This episode is brought to you by the Italian Wine Academy, teaching WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English, right here in Verona, the home of the Italian Wine Podcast. Want to become part of the international wine sector? Need a worldwide recognized certification? Don't know where to start? You can easily complete our courses while you enjoy the fun and excitement of Verona. Make your vacation good value for money by adding a wine certificate to your souvenirs. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Hi, I'm Jill Gordon-Smith, and this is the Jumbo Shrimp's Wine Map Guide. We're going to look at sparkling wines, but a little bit more in depth on the traditional method. So we know that there's three main methods for making sparkling wines, and this is a really important part of your WCT3 short answers. There will be a question on sparkling wines of the world. So the three main methods for making sparkling wines are tank, fermentation in bottle, and carbonation. So the traditional or champagne method is one of the most important because this is the one that's used for making sparkling wines like champagne, carver, and other wines made around the world in the same method as they do in champagne. So what are the main differences? Well, in the traditional or champagne method, all of the grapes are hand-picked. They're not destamed or crushed to ensure clear, uncoloured juice. The pressing is very gentle and it's pressed as quickly as possible. And the press that they use is called a cockard press. And what that makes sure is that there are no tannins. So it's a very gentle pressing. In fact, in Champagne, it's 102 litres of wine from 160 kilos of grapes. The first 82 litres is called the cuvee and the remaining 20 litres is called the tie. And the best Champagne is made solely from the cuvee. The first fermentation, cuvee and the tie are fermented separately. So they'll basically make wine and then they'll store those wines in temperature-controlled stainless steel vats. Some producers still use oak and barrels. The juice is clarified by sedimentation, which minimises the development of savoury non-fruit flavours. Now, the base wine has got to be completely dry, and it's very, very neutral. So they want neutral flavours, high acid and lower alcohol, so moderate alcohols. Most wines undergo malolactic fermentation, but there are exceptions, and most base wines are used in the year that they're picked, but some are stored in inert containers for future years, 
and these are called reserve wines. And that's really important for the blending, which is one of the techniques of making a very consistent wine in Champagne. So blending gives you a consistent style. And the best way to do this is to blend years, villages and vintages. And that makes it much easier to achieve a house style. So different varieties give structure and the reserve wines smooth out the bumps and give richness to a blend. It's why the market's dominated by houses. They have the means to blend from up to 70 different wines They have access to more base and reserve wines than others. There are basically one of five methods used to produce a sparkling wine in European wine regions, and the choice of method may be determined by local laws. Outside of Europe, it's going to be informed by the style or quality of the wine that the winemaker wants to make or the costs involved. So when you see traditional method or method champenoise, it tells us that the wine has undergone a second fermentation in the bottle in which it is later sold. It's the technique most often used to make premium sparkling wines. It's costly, it's time-consuming, but the wines that it makes can also command the highest pricing. So after harvesting and pressing, the principal steps of the traditional method are making that base wine, so that really dry wine that's quite neutral and has high acidity. Now the winemaker is going to decide based on the style of wine whether that wine's going to undergo malolactic fermentation or whether it will be matured in oak before the second alcoholic fermentation. Then the blending which is important because we know it helps to make the house style and blending wines from different vineyards, grape varieties and vintages can help to achieve the house style year on year despite vintage variation. Blending can also be used to improve the balance of a wine. For example, Chardonnay brings citrus fruit, finesse and longevity to a blend, whereas Pinot Noir brings aromas and flavours of red fruit and more body. Thirdly, blending can enhance the complexity of the wine. So old reserve wines can bring flavours of dried fruit to the fresh flavours of the young wine. Likewise, some producers may choose to blend in wines that have been matured in oak because they want to bring in a broader texture and spicy flavours. So blenders need as many wines as possible at their disposal. So for this reason, grapes are often fermented in many different small parcels, giving multiple blend options. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. Now the second fermentation. So once the blend is made up, a small portion of liqueur de tourage, which is wine sugar and yeast nutrients along with a clarifying agent is added to the bottle and it's closed with a crown cap. The bottles are then stacked horizontally in the producer's cellars at a cool constant temperature. The fermentation is really slow and the alcohol is raised and the alcohol is raised by 1.2 to 1.3 ABV and the carbon dioxide that's generated by the yeast dissolves into the wine and that creates the sparkle. It also creates a pressure in the bottle equivalent to five to six atmospheres which is a about a truck tyres pressure. So once that um, second alcoholic fermentation is complete, the yeast die, they form a sediment of lees in the bottle. So over a period of months, these dead yeast still start to break down and they release chemical compounds into the wine in a process called yeast autolysis. And that's very often been a question in WCT level three. These compounds contribute to the flavour of the wine. They give biscuity, bready and toasty notes. And this is autolysis notes. And it usually lasts for between four and five years, but it can continue as long as 10 years. Wines that spend longer on their lees normally have a more pronounced yeast character and very often a smaller bubble finer bead. Keeping the wine in contact with the lees can maintain the wine's freshness for years. 
So after the maturation, the lees sediment is removed and they use the two processes of riddling and disgorgement. So riddling moves the sediment into the neck of the bottle and moves the bottle very slowly from a horizontal to an inverted vertical position. And the yeast sediment is dislodged and gradually slides down the side of the bottle and collects in the plastic cup that's inserted in the crown cap. So traditionally, this was done by hand. And very often after 30 years of doing this by hand, those riddlers had a carve named after them. This is really, really labour intensive and can take up to eight weeks to complete. But nowadays, riddling is usually mechanised in a giro palette. And that's a cage that can hold up to 500 bottles on a hydraulic arm. And it simulates hand riddling, but completes the job in a matter of days, around eight days for a giro palette. Then the wine is disgorged, which means the neck is submerged in a brine solution. And that freezes the wine in the neck. The crown seal is removed and that plug pops out and takes the yeast with it. Then it's topped up with a liqueur d'expedition, which is cane sugar and wine, sealed with a cork and a muselet. And the reason that they would put that cane sugar and wine, the liqueur d'expedition, into the wine is to balance the acidity. The vast majority of sparkling wines made by any method are usually sealed with a cork. In its original shape, a sparkling wine cork is a cylinder with an area on its round face about three times that of the opening of the bottle. And that mushroom shape comes about after corking. So in order to maintain a perfect seal, the cork has to be compressed considerably before it can be inserted into the neck of the bottle. So even with this degree of compression, the muselet or the wire cage is added for complete security. Most traditional method wines are ready to drink when they're released. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Italian Wine Academy, offering WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education right here in the heart of Verona. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Ching ching! guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.